the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, Steve Blass is in the barrel today. That would be the social media barrel. And now he is a racist. I guess it's somebody every day. It happened last night after Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves was hit by a pitch from Steve Brault. Here's the call from AT&T Sports with Greg Brown and Blass. Yeah, I, I was getting ready to say, you know, with the young player just doing all that stuff and all the jewelry and all the stuff, uh, back in the day, uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but... Uh, or that that was done on purpose. Hard to believe it was done on purpose. No, I'm not suggesting that much. That's why I qualified it back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day, meaning back when Steve played, um, now Acuna is a really good young player. And he had a major amount of gold jewelry hanging around his neck when he was up there at the plate. He's Latin and he's black, so around the Internet, Blass is, of course, being called a racist for what he said. He's also being called old, uh, which he is, by the way. Uh, Blass is 77 years old. On Deadspin, it said, and this is a quote, It's the kind of thing you pretty much never hear about a white ball player, many of whom also wear jewelry or accessories. Now, I don't watch a lot of baseball these days. I watch bits and pieces of the Pirate game. I'll tune in and see how it's going. And I, I have no, I just, I'm not sitting through a four hour Pirate game. But, um, and so I don't know how many players wear jewelry. And I don't uh, know the color breakdown of the players who do wear jewelry, uh, whether more blacks or more Latins or more black Latins wear jewelry, that, jewelry than white guys. I have no idea. Um, but, Here's what I know. Steve Blass isn't a racist. And wearing lots of jewelry around your neck while you're playing baseball is really dumb. And here's the thing. If you come up to the plate in a Major League Baseball game with lots of gold jewelry around your neck, you're doing it hoping that people notice that you have really nice jewelry and you're wearing it. Okay? So it worked for Okuna. Everybody noticed. It got noticed. His jewelry got noticed. Now, whether uh, Steve Brault, the Pirates pitcher, threw at him because of it, I doubt it. But Steve Blass noticed it. And you it, you wear, I don't care who you are, if you wear lots of jewelry or if you wear, um, I want to say gaudy jewelry or just, just jewelry that whether it's in excess or whether it's just a, a normal amount of jewelry, but it's very flashy and and it's uh, it's noticeable, then you're, the whole point of jewelry is to add to your the effect of your appearance. That's what he did. Uh, so Blast played with and idolized Roberto Clemente, who was a black Latin player who never wore jewelry in a game, by the way. And, and Blast played on the first team to field nine black players in a game, to start the game, all nine. That was in 1971, the Pirates. And Blast was one of the most popular players on that team. He's an old-school baseball guy, which is exactly why he's in the booth, because of his experience, and it's his experience that gives him perspective. And it's the experience, and it's having played way back, which is going to cause him to make comments and compare way back to today. That's why he's in the booth. That's why he's there. That's why he's been doing it for years and years. He's retiring this year, by the way. But... There's also uh, a lot of comments on Twitter about the fact that he's old and that he only says it he only said it because he's old and of course an old white guy so he's getting trashed for his age and, and he's too old to be doing the games. But here's the thing. You can say something, you can be an old person and say something about something that's going on with a young person or something that's happening today that wasn't happening quote unquote in your day. And 
you can be old and you can say it, and the thing that you point out, you know what it can be? Stupid, okay? I mean, he could also be right. So, you know, I don't get, I don't get why somebody would waste the time and take, uh, waste the energy and take the time to put a gold necklace on to go out and play baseball, but people do it. And Blast noticed it. But it doesn't make him a racist. Get off his back. We'll be back right after this. We're talking to Rocky Blyer. He's involved with the Miracle League of Moon Township and the construction of a Miracle League athletic field. The fields are designed to make it possible for kids with special needs to play sports. Every child, no matter what the situation, deserves a chance to be able to play, to compete, and have a place that's safe, takes care of needs, that's organized. This will be the fourth Miracle League field that will be built. Now we've got four places to be able to travel, so it broadens the whole interest of sports. It's just terrific for a community to do that. There's a buddy system I thought was pretty impressive. What's that all about? Kids with special needs have a buddy, a, a child who's in school. It's like having an older brother or sister involved with you, so it's really good in that everybody has human dignity of being able to participate. The website is miraclesinmoon.org. Check it out and let's help make this dream a reality. Hey, Rocky, thanks, and uh, we'll be talking hey. to you again about this project. Appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Take it, it easy. Thanks. Rocky Blyer, right, and we'll be right back. Getting close to retirement experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? Well, we know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure that you have a retirement plan that is tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too. With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 724-884-1496 or visit them at MarleyFG.com. Are you about to pay double for roof replacement or repair? If you haven't called Windows or Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for siding, doors, gutters, downspouts, and roof replacement and repair. Factory certified by North America's largest roof manufacturer, Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months on up to $20,000. Windows R Us will match any competitor's price. No hidden fees or surprises ever. Schedule a free roof inspection today. Mention AM 1250 for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company. Windows R Us, more than a window company. Visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. Hey, it's John Steigerwall. So the people at my pillow said, hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. So I'm letting you know you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but you know what I mean. Your own my pillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow pillow in your washer and dryer and it's like new again. Try doing that with your pillow and see what happens. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, which is the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800 716 8087 Use promo code STAG. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Joe Biden is old, but he's doing his best to act young. But in this case, he's acting young and stupid. He came out with his climate plan yesterday, and he called it the clean energy revolution. 
He says we'll get to zero emissions by 2050, which I'm hoping is true because I'll be 102 then. And uh, it would be great to have just perfectly clean air, I guess. I'll be doing a lot of wheezing. Uh, anyway, Daniel Turner is the executive executive director of uh, Power of the Future. He joins us now. Daniel, thanks for being here again. John, it's always great to be on your show. Thanks for having me on. So how can we not vote for a guy who promises to make us emission-free by 2050? What could be wrong with that? You know, I, I find it amazing that when he gets to be president, he will somehow rid the world of carbon dioxide. I mean, there's a lot of biologists who would struggle with that with that philosophy, but he will make us absolutely emission free by 2050. It's what I just said is as stupid as Joe Biden's proposal. They throw out terms, they throw out numbers. This is an appeasement to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and the radical left. He's hoping to shut them up so they leave him alone in the primary. Um, but his proposal is absolute nonsense. What does it say that uh, that you say that he's trying to appease um, someone who didn't know what a garbage disposal was about till about three weeks ago? You know, there is a lot of enthusiasm on the environmental left, led by AOC, and uh, her little movement uh, is where all the young people who you need this summer to knock on doors and wave signs at state fairs. So Biden needs those people, or he doesn't need them going after him. Um, So I understand why he tried to make inroads with that community. But at the same time, Biden has always portrayed himself as this moderate, right? He branded himself when he launched his campaign in Philly, not in Delaware, where he's from, but in Philly, as I'm middle class Joe, right? There's nothing middle class about telling energy workers you're going to put them out of a job. Yeah, the, the people pushing the Green New Deal say we only have 12 years. Actually, I guess it's uh, 11 and a half now. Uh, and if they're right, won't we be extinct by 2050 anyway? Exactly. And this is where the numbers are just nonsense. To say I'm going to invest $1.7 trillion oh, in green technology. Obama invested you know, a little bit less than that. He invested hundreds of billions in green energy. What do we have to show for it? Just please, any of your listeners, if any of them can say, well, you know, my sister-in-law got a job at that windmill <laughs> factory. I have yet to meet anyone who was employed because Barack Obama spent hundreds of billions of dollars. But I do know people like the founders of Solyndra walked away with millions of dollars in their pocket. So right. my advice is this. If Biden wins and he's going to spend $1.7 trillion dollars, Every one of us should just make a fake solar panel, solar panel factory because yeah. there's going to be a lot of money getting shopped around, and I want some of that Biden money. Or, or uh, buy some stock in the existing windmill factories. Exactly, exactly. And what Biden doesn't want to recognize, to make windmills, you are going to have a lot of emissions, right? This nonsense, that, and this is where the science bothers me and the stupidity of the people in the green movement bothers me. You cannot use green technology to make green technology. To make a windmill, you've got to forge an awful lot of steel. To make solar panels, you've got to get an awful lot of rare earths that have to be mined from underground. So to say we're going to be all green by 2050, we're going to be burning an awful lot of fossil fuels to not burn fossil fuels. Why don't we just burn them once? and call ourselves America. You know what I like about this, too? And I don't know if, it's, if I talked to you about this the last time you were on, but when I was, I was having a discussion with somebody about this and pointing out that just in New York, for example, if you wanted to have New York City powered by wind or solar, you would have to build the solar panels, the place for the solar panels, or put the windmills somewhere in upstate New York where there's lots of space. And so the it becomes a rural versus urban because uh, here in Pittsburgh, there's no space to put up any windmills in the city. So if you're going to power Pittsburgh with that stuff, you'd have to put it out in the suburbs or out in the country, um, and it's going to be a not-in-my-backyard issue. And it's going to be a exactly. big fight. It's a great point. The further away your solar panels are, the more is lost in transmission because because energy is, is an unstable source, right? And so it has to be pretty close to the item it's going to power. And so we did talk about that, whether it's Westchester, whether it's Connecticut, but an awful lot of people are going to be forced to give up their land. But New York only gets about 30% of the sunlight 
that a place like California does. And I'm from New York City. I know New York pretty well. Right? We can't run on solar even if we wanted to. And so to say, well, we're just going to make it all green. How about this other proposal? We're going to have high-speed rail all throughout the city. That sounds great if you live in Squirrel Hill in Pittsburgh or if you live in Brooklyn. What if you live in Kansas? What if you live on a 40-mile, 40-acre farm, a 5,000-acre ranch in Texas? What does a high-speed rail do for me? And when they say we're going to get rid of the combustion engine and encourage people to use high-speed rails, that's great if you're urban, not so great if you're rural. And that actually, I know this isn't your necessarily your area, but it actually brings up the question of the Electoral College. Uh, because uh, urban areas are going to want to have uh, solar power and wind power. The, the liberals who live in New York City and Los Angeles and San Francisco... Uh, but they're going to want this power to come from, I don't know, Wyoming? Exactly. Uh, and and this, this touches on a much larger cultural problem we're facing in America. And my organization, Power of the Future, is just a small part of it. But there is a growing divide of people who live in urban areas, which are now the majority of Americans, dictating policies where they have no idea how food grows, where energy comes from, what manufacturing means. Look at AOC. She's talking about farm policy. She's wondering why we don't grow yucca in the Bronx. Yeah. She thinks it's a racial thing, right? She thought it was a sign of white colonialism. colonialism. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a temperate zone versus a tropical zone, right? We don't grow palm trees in New York either. That may surprise her. Yeah, you uh, can't grow so, it where, that, where, there's, uh, where there's frost. <laughs> it's a small detail. You know, they, they grew a lot of tobacco in the South. They didn't grow tobacco in Minnesota, last right. I checked, right? So yeah. the farmers do know some things, but there's a problem with urban policymakers who have never once stepped foot in rural America. And not only haven't they been there, they don't want to go there. They look down upon oh, no middle America. They call it flyover country. And so what's going to happen as more and more people move to cities? And like you so well said, John, they're going to say, well, Wyoming should give us our power. Well, what about if you're a Wyomingite? Do you have a say in this, right? What if you're a landowner? So there is a, this is a growing problem that our nation has to deal with. Now, um, but what about just, just from a science uh, standpoint of this? Is there, is there a, a credible scientist out there who, who actually believes that we have the wherewithal and the uh, ability to um, become emission-free in 30 years? Is there a scientist out there who's on record of saying, yeah, we can do that? Or is it all? are they all politicians who are saying it? They're all politicians who are saying it. I deal often with people who work in the renewable energy industry because I don't oppose renewables. I oppose the subsidies, without a doubt. But as, but as a technology, it's wonderful. And we should, we should embrace it where it makes sense as long as it's not subsidized. But I talk to solar panel engineers. I talk to wind engineers. And they are the first ones to tell you this is great burgeoning technology, but it cannot remotely replace what we are using in fossil fuel. The only thing that can replace fossil fuels for the most part, at least in terms of the electric grid, is nuclear. And no one wants to talk about nuclear power. No. Um, look at the movie Chernobyl that is coming out right now and that everyone's talking about on HBO, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is part of a, there is a, has always been a long propaganda campaign against nuclear. Um, so, no, there is no science ability, there is no scientific technology as of yet to run our electric grid on renewables, we're talk- not even remotely. We're talking to Daniel Turner. He's the executive director of Power of the Future. Um, in 2050, today's millennials uh, will be getting ready to retire. It's scary to think. Uh, I'll be dead, most likely. And uh, they're being indoctrinated in schools now about the evils of oil and coal, aren't they? Aren't they, aren't they going to vote for... For uh, even if it's Joe Biden and he's seventy-seven years old, if he promises that he's going to clean everything up for them and get rid of this e- those, these evil things like oil and coal, I think one of the most frustrating parts is, of my job is when I talk to families and they show me their kids' textbooks, math problems, uh, English grammar questions that have this indoctrination in it. Uh, a friend of mine as a teacher sent me an English exam that was find a misplaced comma, and the whole paragraph was coal is polluting the earth, coal is driving up global warming that is killing off the polar bears. This, wasn't, this was a find the comma exercise, but boy, oh boy, were they trying to indoctrinate third-grade kids 
coal is bad, coal is bad. So you're absolutely right. I'm not surprised AOC thinks fossil fuels are bad because she's been brought up in that. It's sad that no one told her the reason why you're able to do your little silly Instagram videos cutting up a mango in the middle of the polar vortex in New York City is because there are men and women on oil grids right now, on, on, on oil rigs right now, busting their butt who make your life possible. And you are too stupid and too arrogant to even think about them and thank them for what they're doing for you. And do you think that the, what about the oil that's required to make the equipment that she uses to put her Instagram on? Exactly. Nobody exactly. even talks, ever whole, talks about that. Her whole cell phone is a fossil fuel, right? And yeah. not only that, rare earths, tons of rare earths. And, and where are we going to get gold and silver and cadmium and zinc for your cell phone if we're not digging deep into the earth, right? Uh, so, and that requires an awful lot of emissions, um, just the plastics that we use. And again, the fact that you're, you're cutting up a mango, which doesn't grow in the Bronx, but you can buy it at a cost that's affordable for you, even though it was picked a day ago, 5,000 miles away in Chile, you can buy it at the store for a buck fifty. Yeah, that probably you wouldn't know, happen and, if and they were bringing the, 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 the stuff up by donkey. And she doesn't celebrate, and that's no. the sad part, John. She doesn't see that and marvel and say, this is incredible. I just bought this fish that was flown in from Italy. That's that's glorious, right? That's that's how amazing is our technology and our trade and our free markets. But she sees this as something bad. She sees this as something we need to control. And I'm sorry that blue collar Joe jumped on the bandwagon and is, and is now at least saying the exact same thing. Yeah, I kind of like that stuff. I, I um I haven't heard much about fracking from the Democrats lately. Maybe I've just missed it. Uh, but, you know, they, they hate oil and natural gas, but fracking is a big deal here in western Pennsylvania and uh, all around here. The most of the you Democratic know, candidates plan to eliminate fracking also? There are, uh, right now, 320,000 people in Pennsylvania work in, uh, work in the fracking world. 320,000 jobs. Does Bernie think that they're going to vote for him? Because Bernie Sanders has an out outright ban. By executive order, he says on day one, I will ban fracking. There are a million fracked wells right now in America. Do you, do you and your <laughs> listeners think for one second if all these kids were dying from diseases, from polluted and contaminated groundwater, CNN would not be at their house every single day? Just show me one. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say the industry's perfect. It's not. But please, if someone could show me these communities of devastated children from fracking, I, I would I would maybe change my mind. But I drink fracked well water. I'm in these communities. So, yeah, the fracking revolution that happened in the last 15 years because of horizontal drilling, that's all at risk. Finishing up here with Daniel Turner, Executive Director of Power of the Future. I have about a minute and a half left, and it's a hard break, so I'll have to bail. Uh, I want to get this in really quick. Uh, th there's a piece on your blog about how the unions are reacting to the, the Green New Deal and to Joe Biden. Yeah, the, the head of the AFL-CIO, Richard Trumpka, and that is the biggest labor union in the nation, came out vehemently opposed to it. Look, he knows that his guys, his, his union members, they need jobs. And when you have a Green New Deal-type policy that a bunch of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. are going to ban tracking, ban this, ban that, fracking means not just guys who work on the rigs, but, but it, it's, it's truckers, it's equipment manufacturers, it's uh, suppliers. All those jobs go with it, right? So I'm not surprised the labor unions have come out opposed to it. I don't expect the AFL-CIO to come out and support President Trump but if they don't have their millions of members knocking on doors for the Democrat, that's not going to be a good thing in 2020. Great for the American people and for freedom, but boy, bad news for the Democrats. But it's their own damn fault. They forget that they claim to care about workers. They don't. Hey, Daniel, I'm out of time. I appreciate you being here. We'll have you on again. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back. Talk about D-Day. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Trump administration is ending medical research by government scientists that use human fetal tissue. Ending the use of fetal tissue by NIH has been a priority for opponents of abortion. 
Fetal tissue is used in research on HIV and childhood and other cancers. The policy change does not affect privately funded research. The government said there are currently at least three active federal research projects that involve human fetal tissue possibly as many as 12. Correspondent Ed Donahue, going forward, NIH scientists will stop research involving fetal tissue from elective abortion. Opponents of the move argue that some health problems can't be studied any other way. Those privately funded human fetal tissue research projects will be unaffected. On Wall Street, a good day as the Dow was up by 207 points. The Nasdaq rose 48, the S&P advanced 23. This is SRN News. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had a lot of credit card debt, and I couldn't pay my bills. I was feeling so bad, I got to a point where I needed some help. So I reached out and contacted Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They were able to take all of my different payments and put them all together. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. And they were actually able to work with my creditors. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000 in the last 18 months. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Stephanie, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Larry Elder knows why Mueller doesn't want to testify publicly. Here's the deal. Mueller feels he's already testified. He wrote a 400-plus page report on the investigation. Everything's in there. Interviewed all those witnesses, took all those depositions, had all those investigators, spent $25, $30 million. Why do I need to come and testify again? What's the point? The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7, right before Joe Walsh at 9 on AM 1250. The Answer. Are you tired of your old and drafty windows and doors? Pella offers three lines of vinyl, a fiberglass product, and various lines of wood. So we have gorgeous new windows and doors to fit your needs and any budget. You deserve Pella quality. And for a limited time, get $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Yeah, we can do that. Call 888-77-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. Hunt Associates is your resource for examining the important financial aspects for your retirement plan. Listen to our podcast radio show, Hunt for Retirement, by visiting gwhunt.com. On this week's edition of Hunt for Retirement, we discuss securing lifetime income. Text HUNT to 555-888 or visit gwhunt.com to listen to the podcast now or call 844-366-HUNT for a free copy of the book, Income allocation and a free retirement income report. Hey there. What's up, bruh? Hello. Aloha. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hola. Hi. It takes a lot of voices to create the sound of us. The Y welcomes all of them with open arms. From career readiness to safe spaces, the Y is there, no matter who we are. Now, more than ever, they need your support. Support your local Y today. The Y. Or better us. Read by members of the Y. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway North, delays on the inbound side from Reedsdale Street to the Fort Duquesne Bridge and on the uh, Crosstown Boulevard, HOV Lane northbound, you're slow approaching the Parkway North. Parkway East, that is crawling along outbound Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood, Swissvale. Parkway West, heavy on the outbound side, Banksville Road to Carnegie and inbound from Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Busy on the outbound side of 65 going up to the McKees Rocks Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
Cloudy skies and humid tonight with a shower thunderstorm around the low tonight, 62. For tomorrow, a cloudy start. Then some intervals of sun for the afternoon, high 77. Partly cloudy and comfortable tomorrow night, low 57 degrees. Then for Friday, partly to mostly sunny, a beautiful afternoon, highs right around 80 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Now, tomorrow's the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. You may not know just how much western Pennsylvania contributed to that effort. New York is the only state that had more casualties than Pennsylvania, so a lot of western PA guys were on those boats. But there were a lot of contributions made back here that made the invasion possible and successful. Andy Masick is the president and CEO of the Heinz History Center. He joins us now. Andy, thanks for being here. It's good to be here. So what special events do you have uh, planned for D-Day tomorrow at the Heinz History Center? Well, folks who come down to the History Center will be able to, to see our, our Vietnam War exhibit, uh, which is uh, 1945 to 1975. It connects uh, the Vietnam War to World War II. And our curator, Leslie Sibillic, will be doing a special lecture about Pittsburgh and World War II. And then uh, Todd DePestino with the Veterans Breakfast Club will be talking to D-Day veterans uh, about their experiences, uh, how, how they dealt with the, the trauma and uh, the history-making uh, of D-Day 75 years ago. So these are these are guys who were there, and they're Pittsburgh guys. So how many of them are still around? Well, as you know, we're losing that greatest generation in sure. great numbers each uh, year. Uh, we'll have uh, half a dozen or so D-Day vets at the History Center tomorrow, June 6th. And uh, I, it really is kind of amazing uh, imagining that these guys as young men and their, their 20s, in some cases their teens, uh, we're in those Higgins boats when the the front uh, door dropped down, and they saw those those uh, beaches of of uh, France and saw the fortress Europe that Hitler and Rommel and Nazi Germany had built to prevent them from entering uh, Europe, uh, to prevent the Allies uh, from invading Europe, and imagine the thoughts in the heads of those young men uh, gripping their garands or uh, as sailors or as airmen flying uh, overhead. Imagine the thoughts that were going through their heads as they made history. Yeah, um, you know, I, about 20 years ago, uh, would have been the, I think it was the 50th anniversary of the Bataan Death March. So would have that probably be like 19... 94 I probably did it uh, so it's more like yeah. a little more than 20 years ago I interviewed um, some s- survivors of the Bataan Death March who were local guys and um, I did it for TV and the thing and this is what, what I want to ask you about these the, some of these D-Day veterans if you find this out tomorrow um, what amazed me the most about these Bataan Death March survivors was that after I did the interviews for TV which were amazing um, they all said, boy, are people going to be shocked when they heard th- hear this? Because none of them had ever talked to, about it to anyone before. Um, there's about five or six of them. One guy um, I saw a couple of days later to give him a, a tape of the, of the interview, and he said, my brother was shocked when he, when he, when he saw this. He, he couldn't believe it. This is his brother. And this was 50 years after he survived the Bataan Death March, uh, he hadn't. His neighbors knew nothing about it. He, you know, he lived in the same house for forty years. They knew nothing. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's a, a lot of that same thing with some of these guys who were involved in uh, landing on those beaches that day. It's true of uh, most veterans who saw combat. Uh, they don't talk about it with family and friends unless unless you were there. It's hard. Uh, for people to talk about uh, such traumatic events. Um, They don't think people will understand. But we've heard the same thing from our DDA vets and other World War II veterans uh, who, once they start to talk to our curators or to Todd DiPastino with the 
Veterans Breakfast Club, um, they feel like they're talking uh, to peers and people who are there because they want to hear those stories. They want to listen. And so once they start to open up, uh, then we hear amazing stories. And we have had family members say to us, uh, boy, I've lived uh, with dad for 75 years or um, or 50 years, whatever it is, and I've heard more in the last two hours than I've heard in the last 50 years. So uh, I do think that our veterans are uh, beginning to talk and want to share their stories and what amazing stories they are. Yeah, you know, uh, the interviews that I did, were they were out at the uh, vet, the vet center and I came across a story in the paper that these guys were being interviewed as part of a project to get them to talk about it um, on the 50th anniversary because the, the, they were using the psychiatrists out there to help them talk about it. And uh, I went to the news director and I said, this is a really good story. You guys ought to do it. It'd be a great TV story. She said, yeah, go ahead and do it. I was a sports guy, but I, I love doing it. But um, well, I think I think our vets do feel uh, a sense of history now. Mm -hmm. This is the seventy fifth anniversary right. of the largest invasion, uh, certainly in modern history, and one of the the biggest invasions in the history of the world. Uh, Five thousand ships, eleven thousand aircraft, a hundred and eighty thousand Allied troops crossed the English Channel on June sixth. Uh, 1944, uh, to invade Europe, to push back the Nazis, the Wehrmacht, uh, the German army that had invaded France. Of course, the Soviet Union was fighting on the Eastern Front as the Western Allies opened this new front. And those soldiers and sailors and airmen who were there uh, had a sense that they were making history then. And now I feel like... Uh, Many of them feel like it's their last opportunity to share those stories. And, and what amazing stories they are. Those, uh, those airborne troops who uh, dropped into uh, French uh, farms and fields in gliders, gliders made at the Heinz plant uh, in Pittsburgh by the, the same women who were packing pickles and making ketchup uh, months before, we're now making glider uh, wings. No, I, I didn't know. Wearing, I didn't know that that yeah. was major. And those soldiers were wearing helmets uh, made by uh, Westinghouse and MSA, Mine Safety Appliance. Uh, and they were, uh, they were driving tanks uh, whose turrets were uh, cast in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the arsenal of democracy. And so... The people on the home front, the Rosie the Riveters and the guys working in the mills and factories, they were part of this invasion, too. But the guys who were on the front lines, uh, whether they were on a destroyer uh, providing escort or uh, hoisting barrage balloons that would keep enemy aircraft from swooping in on the soldiers on the beach, or whether they were uh, sailors on an LS a landing ship tank that was made by the Dravot Company on Neville Island. Wow. Um, these these uh, ships were 328 feet long, longer than a football field, and they could hold tanks and troops, and they were made with flat bottoms so they could scud right up against the sandy beaches without needing a harbor or a port or a dock, and their front doors would open up and a ramp would be lowered, and tanks could go um, uh, tracking right out the front of the ship, with, followed by troops and jeeps, jeeps that were invented right here in western Pennsylvania in 1940 by the American Bantam Car Company of Butler, Pennsylvania. Those first jeeps in 1940 became the prototype for all the jeeps, the 734,000 jeeps that were made for World War II. So, I mean, Western Pennsylvania, uh, the people, um, the industry, they contributed mightily to our victory in Europe. And that's why I, ha I wanted to have you on to talk about that. We're talking to Andy Masick. He's the president and CEO, CEO of Heinz History Center. Uh, well, I'm going to get to a little bit more detail about the Jeep and some of that other stuff, but 
Uh, let's start with the guy who planned the invasion, a guy from Uniontown. You know, George C. Marshall is one of the unsung heroes of World War II. He became the general-in-chief, uh, the chief of staff of all uh, United States soldiers. He's the guy who built the a small American army of 189,000 men into an army of 8 million men in two years' time. Wow. Just think about that. 189,000 to 8 million men practically overnight. He was the chief advisor to FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president of the United States, and Marshall wanted to go to Europe to lead the invasion of Europe. And FDR said to him, George, if you left, if you went to head our, our armies, our allied armies, I couldn't sleep at night. I need you here in Washington. Send somebody else. And so George C. Marshall relented, and he hired Dwight David Eisenhower. Who did okay. Yeah. He did okay. He, but it was Marshall who came up with the plan. Operation Overlord, they called it. That was the, the plan for the invasion of Europe. And uh, they set the, uh, the day for invasion, D-Day, they called it, which just meant the day. Um, it, he set that for June 5th, today. Uh, but the weather was so bad, uh, the seas were swelling and the uh, waves were pounding the beaches. They had to delay it another day to June 6th, and that became D-Day. Uh, D plus one just means the day after D-Day. D minus one, that's the day before the invasion day. So D-Day just stands for the day of for invasion. Well, now I, I want to talk to you about the Jeep. Um, I've had a Jeep Wrangler for, uh, I've had one every year. My wife, it's my wife's favorite car. And she has one now. She still drives it, and it's it's modeled after the military jeep, and it still looks almost you know it's, it's still you can tell it's uh, a uh, uh, a descendant of the jeep. How did the jeep become? Uh, how did somebody in Butler come up with the idea for a jeep that not only helped win the war but still exists now, uh, eighty years later? You're right. Well, it happened in 1940 when the War Department realized that the United States was going to be in a shooting war uh, sooner or later. Uh, the British were already in it. They were fighting the Battle of Britain. But in 1940, the United States wasn't in it yet. And so the War Department put out an RFP uh, request for proposals to 134 car makers in America. Think about that for a minute. Wow. In 1940, there were 134 car makers in America. And the War Department said, we need a vehicle that will replace the horse on the battlefield. Has to go any place a horse can go. Has to be able to pull a gun. Has to be able to go up a 30-degree grade. Can't weigh any more than a large horse. 2,000 pounds was the maximum weight. Oh, they said, you have to design and build this miracle car in 49 days. Wow. Well, the, the big car companies, Ford and GM and Willis Overland, Toledo, Ohio, uh, they all said, yeah, we can build this miracle car, but nobody can do it in 49 days. Well, this little outfit up in Butler, the American Bantam Car Company, was building midget cars on the British Austin patent, uh, and they found out that nobody in America wanted midget cars in 1940. We wanted big, gas-guzzling behemoth. Right. And so these guys were about to go out of business when they got that RFP, and they said, you know what? We can do this. We can build this little car. It's not that much different than the midget cars we're building now. And, yeah, we got to build some uh, four-wheel drive features, and we got, we got to lighten the, uh, the weight as much as we can. Well, they were the only ones to show up for the Army test at Camp Hollabird, Maryland. And the Army put it through a battery of tests. They ran it through mud bogs. They dragged log chains and logs behind it. They jumped it over dirt berms. And this little car was a bucket of bolts by the time they finished testing. But the Army major in charge of the test uh, went to Butler and said to the engineers, 
hey, you know that little car that you sent us? Well, it's exactly what we're talking about. We need 300,000 of them. When can you deliver? Well, these guys up in Butler had never made more than 500 units in a year's time in the history of their company. And they tried as they might. They built 1,300 vehicles. Uh, The Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. The United States was in a shooting war. And the government pulled the contract from the guys at Bantam and gave it to Willis Overland, one of the biggest car makers in America. They couldn't keep up with the demand, so the government gave the other half of the contract to Ford, and they ended up making 734,000 Jeeps for World War II. And after the war, that Jeep turned into the Jeep station wagon, Mm -hmm. turned into the Jeep CJs. You've heard that term, CJ? Yeah. CJ just stands for Civilian Jeep. Well, my and then uh, it turned into the Wrangler. Yeah, and my wife drives the Wrangler Willis, which is a big one with the big tires, and it's a six-speed. She's oh wow, she's seventy years old. That's her favorite car. Um, but hey, I'm out of time, Andy. Um, but uh, real quick, does, uh, is there a uh, is there anything down at the History Center about the Jeep? Is there a yeah, we've, we've got the oldest Jeep on planet Earth. It's on loan from the Smithsonian Institution. It's the prototype that was built in Butler for testing at Camp Hollibird, Maryland. People come from all over the world to see that because it's the oldest Jeep on the planet. Well, I'm so gonna... come on down and learn more about World War II and, and Pittsburgh's role in winning the war. I'm going to bring my wife down. Could she take it out for a spin? Like you know, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so, John. <laughs> hey, Andy, I appreciate you being on. So uh, everything's happening down there at the uh, Heinz History Center tomorrow. Go down and check it out. Andy, appreciate it. You bet. And let's remember those heroes who, uh, who saved the world for democracy and for us today. Uh, it was 75 years ago, D-Day. Absolutely. And we'll be right back. Okay, meat lovers, Beef Jerky Outlet presents over 100 delicious ways to get your snack on. There's nothing slim about these big flavors. This is high-end quality gourmet jerky in more flavors than you've ever thought possible. From wild game to pepper and spice to sweet and savory, there's something for everyone. Flavors like honey jalapeno, Cajun barbecue beef brisket, sweet bourbon traditional, Asian sesame, teriyaki, cherry maple, and peppercorn smoked beef, just to name a few. With Father's Day coming up, this is a total no-brainer for the guy in your life. Visit BeefJerkyOutlet.com for fabulous gift ideas. Plus, check out their phenomenal selection of rubs, sauces, and marinades. Beef Jerky Outlet at Tanger Outlets in Washington and their brand new location at Grove City Outlets. Beef Jerky Outlet, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Stoggerwald Show. Check them out, beefjerkyoutlet.com. A couple of weeks ago, we had Rocky Blyer here to talk about his work with Miracle League in Moon Township. Fields for athletes with special needs. Jim Leland, the Pirates' former manager, is also involved in that project. Jim, thanks for being here. Great to be here, John. Great to talk to you. Tell me about the Miracle League of Moon Township. It's just a great thing for these kids, and it's a wonderful opportunity for people to participate. Some people are a little less fortunate than others, and I think it's just a great opportunity for people to volunteer and to help out and put a smile on somebody's face. I've seen the field that they put out in Upper St. Clair. It's amazing. Oh, it's Unbelievable. The way they construct these things, they have the ramps and everything for the kids. It takes a little stress off the parents. I think it's what Pittsburgh's all about. It's just a great thing. It'll serve Montour, West Allegheny, Moon, Sewickley, Weirton, Steubenville, Beaver County, and surrounding communities. Approximately 100 to 200 children will be eligible to participate, and it'll also serve adults with special needs. So it's a great cause. And if you'd like to see how you can help, maybe donate some money, check it out at miraclesinmoon.org. Miraclesinmoon.org. We'll be right back. Life is lived by moving forward, seizing the open road, embracing what's ahead. It's why we created Ford Pass, everything you need to keep forging ahead in one app right in the palm of your hand. Only Ford Pass combines roadside assistance, Ford Pass rewards, and now when you buy or lease a new Ford, earn points you can use toward flexible complementary maintenance. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving, built Ford proud. Visit your participating Ford dealership to find out about earning points for flexible complimentary maintenance when you buy or lease a new Ford and sign up for rewards. 
Roadside assistance is included for certain Ford owners and available to everyone for a per-service fee. Ford reserves the right to change program details without obligations. Visit your participating dealer or FordPassRewards.com for program rules and restrictions. Ford Pass, compatible with select smartphone platforms, is available via a download. Okay, first time we read this commercial, he got one. So I had to get one. And we are both in love with this product. The glass chair mat by Vitraza. They're unbelievable. You know that junky plastic chair mat under your office chair or at home? A piece of garbage. It's the ugliest thing in your office. Vitraza glass chair mats are beautiful. Durable. Each one will support over a thousand pounds, so it'll even hold me. (laughs) They've got a lifetime warranty, and the way you feel rolling over smooth glass instead of cheap, crackly plastic, it's like working in a million-dollar office. And it's your office. And we got to mention this. Shipping is absolutely free. Absolutely. Lifetime warning, scratch-resistant, stylish, Vitraza glass chair mats. You can't get them at the office superstore. you got to order them direct at vitraza.com slash life. That's V as in value, I-T-R-A-Z-Z-A, vitraza.com slash life. You'll want to remember that website. There's a discount code waiting for you for 10% off, only at vitraza.com slash life. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we started with stupidity and talking about uh, the stupid accusations of racism uh, directed towards Steve Blass. And, um, I, you know, I, my comment is that I think the clock may have run out on the on our ability to have serious discussions about racism uh, with the news that there are people who think that the National Basketball Association should stop referring to the owners of NBA teams as owners. They think that's insensitive uh, because the teams are owned by white men and 75% of the players are black. All the problems out there, somebody is actually worried about using the word owner for the owner of a business. So I'm wondering, if I owned a restaurant and I had a lot of uh, black employees, would I have to become the proprietor? Can I still be the owner? I mean, really, find something serious to worry about. That is just, we've, we've really, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now. We will talk tomorrow. Thanks for listening. John Stoggerwald Show, AM 1250, The Answer. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.